0: This is the day that the Lord has made. Deal with us not in the severity of your judgment, but by the greatness of your mercy, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. As we see, in the reading of our lessons from God's holy word. rise to the singing of the Alleluia verse. and those servants went out in the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to a friend, How did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer garden, in that place there will be weaving and national of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord. This time the day when we can see it, we invite like youngsters, congregation, visitors, to come forward to the children. Excuses like that? No, can't. My mom said I got to babysit. I got to watch
1: Tesla. I never make an excuse. Do people make excuses for things?
0: Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes there's things we don't feel like doing, we really don't want to do it. But you know what? We have an invitation to church. We have an invitation to heaven. We have lots of invitations. To Jesus pulled a parable today. The pastor away said it was
1: about a lot of wedding feast. Wouldn't it be cool to go to a wedding feast? Wouldn't that be fun? You get to eat and dance and celebrate.
0: Do you like to dance,
1: drink? Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? You like to
0: sing? Yeah, that's fun too can do all this good stuff, have a great time. And Jesus has lots of invitations for us. He says, when we're tired, come to him. Right? He
1: says, come to me, and I will make you efficient of men. Yeah. He tells us,
0: he told the rich man, he said, sell all your things, don't worry about all that stuff, and follow me. And we have that same invitation for follow Him. And that's why we come to church, and that's why we pray. Do we get and that? That's Sunday, right? Sundays, the day we do that, but we don't have to follow Jesus every day, right? Every day? Do we follow Jesus every day, can we? Uh-huh. Yes, every day. That's why today is such a great day to be here at God's house. And every day is such a great Day to say a prayer and thank Jesus for the special day and thank Jesus for all the blessings he has given us, right? When we make excuses? Mr. Schumacher read from Philippians. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Can you say these words with me? I want to say the things that we see and the things that we hear about Jesus and the things that we receive Those are good things, right? Those are good things. So let's say this Bible verse from Philippians that Mr. Schumacher read. Say these words after me. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Jesus is with us all the time. We go through hard times and we have to be satisfied with that, right? It's okay. We're sad here sometimes. Sometimes we lose things and we miss things, but Jesus is with us all the time. Let's say this verse again. What you have learned, what you have learned, and received and heard,
1: and received and heard, and seen in me,
0: Practice these things, Practice these things. And, the God of peace, and the God of peace will be with you. Be with you. Amen. Amen. I got a grab bag today because, like, I'm getting rid of all of my Halloween candy. So have a couple of pieces of candy and have a great week. We continue with the sermon and spread the reign of God the Lord on page nine. Um. Thank you.
2: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Anyone who has witnessed a wedding knows that the day is meant to be filled with joy and laughter. It is meant to be a celebration of Christ uniting a man and a woman into a lifelong marriage. It is an incredible institution that God himself established in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and continues to work through to this day. Everything that God established in the Garden was intended for good, but again, because of the disruption of our pride, sin caused things in our lives not to be filled with laughter and joy, as God intended all things for us to have. Instead, we experience something not as inviting. Wedding crashes. I'm not as familiar with the wedding stories you all have, though I have heard a few of them in my short time at Emmanuel. But in every wedding celebration, there is always some kind of a hiccup. Snowstorms, rainstorms, tornadoes. The flowers were not delivered until after the ceremony. Someone forgot the cake. The pastor got sick. The bride or the groom were injured. Someone's friend partied too hard the night before and had to spend the night in the hospital. A bridesmaid forgot her dress. The mother-in-law, for some odd reason, decided to wear white. The marriage certificate wasn't ordered in time. And the list is never-ending. But even after the wedding is done, there are many other marriage crashers that Satan loves to send in order to break what God intended for good. Lying, cheating, laziness, financial struggle, or maybe even financial greed, heartache, depression, pride, death of a child. And ultimately, if your marriage survives all of that, Satan still wins by the death of a spouse. He is the ultimate wedding crasher. In our Gospel reading today, we learn about a bridegroom that would never allow his marriage to fail. He protected his wedding day at all costs. So that there would be no disruption and there would be no wedding crashers. First, the bridegroom, who is in this parable, is Jesus, invites guests to his wedding, his everlasting feast in his kingdom. These guests, Jesus implies in the parable, are the Jews. He sent his disciples out to preach the gospel of repentance while he worked miracles in all of Israel and taught with the authority to forgive sins, showing that he is God, the promised Messiah. And even though he did all of these signs and invited the Pharisees, chief priests, and elders to follow along with him and joined the wedding march, they chose to be party poopers. They were envious that Jesus, who they thought was a mere man born in Bethlehem and raised by his earthly carpenter father, Joseph, was gaining all the attraction to himself. They thought that Jesus was the one crushing their party, not the other way around. But even though they were always ignoring the invitation to follow him, Jesus still taught Jesus still worked miracles and sent out his disciples to others to invite them to follow him. The second thing that the bridegroom did in the parable, which may seem a little over the top at first, is that in his anger, he sent out troops to go out and destroy those who denied his invitation and those who murdered his messengers. That sounds like a rather scary bridegroom. It seems odd at first that Jesus, who teaches earlier in Matthew, blessed are the peacemakers, is teaching here that the bridegroom is storming through the town in rampage, destroying those who ignored his invitation. It seems as though killing would be counterintuitive because that would scare away guests or cause less people to come to the wedding. But who are the people the bridegroom sends troops after? They are the people who are crashing his wedding by ignoring his invitation and being soaked into their own life. They are the ones who think that they are too busy to come, maybe even for a realistically good reason. One bought new livestock. Another started a new business. They were too busy to come to church. I mean, the wedding. So why did God destroy these ignorant guests? It's not because he took pleasure in killing. It is because as the bridegroom, he was protecting the people, his bride, his church, who are the people in his third act of the parable. He sent out messengers among the rest of the world to invite the good and the bad people, a.k.a. the Gentiles, you and me. We are the people Jesus intended to invite through the disciples at the end of Matthew, where we hear, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, my disciples. And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. It is through that baptism and teaching from Christ's authority that we are no longer just as guests invited from the streets, but become his bride included in the feast. Yes, we are the bride he chooses to protect Even though we are ignorant all the time, and though we sin constantly, Jesus loves his bride. He would do literally anything to make sure that his bride meets him at his altar, including laying down his life for hers, which he did on the cross. He is jealous for her. He cannot allow room for any other God into his marriage because he is the one and only that provides for all of her needs. He gives her her shoes, her clothes, her food, and not only that, but gives her a family, a home, a place of peace, refuge from others who want to destroy their marriage. He gives his wedding garment of righteousness away to his bride so that she can be seen as righteous as he is. But if you are not part of the bride, if you ignore his promises and maybe go as far as divorcing yourself from the church, stripping away the wedding garment he put on you, it would be as if you were saying your life is as valuable as the wedding crashers. These are people who sneak other guests out of the party to have their own frivolity, one full of bitter food, muddy water, sour wine, and death. Your life would be as good as dead because the bridegroom will always protect his bride. And if you sit outside of his church, there is no way for him to show you mercy as he would not even recognize you. But as we prayed earlier in the service today, these words, Almighty God, you invite us to trust in you for our salvation. Deal with us not in the severity of your judgment, but in the greatness of your mercy. Whenever we find ourselves outside the wedding feast, soaked in the teachings of false teachers, and find ourselves as the poor, miserable sinner, Jesus wants us to ask for his forgiveness. And he promises to give it. He never divorces himself away from us. Only we can do that. Thanks be to God that he does this incredible thing. Because... I don't want to be on the side of seeing God's righteous anger. And I hope and pray that you do not either. It would be terrible. Rather, the church hopes in the promises and surety of Christ's word, saying he has gone to prepare a room for us. And we gladly await his second coming. Judgment Day for the bride will not be a day of sorrow and tears, He takes those all away. It will be a joyful day for us. Though I can't say the same thing for those who do not wear the wedding garments. As Jesus points out at the end of our parable today, he says that these wedding crashers will be sent out into the utter darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It does not sound pleasing. We do await the day when our Lord will come back, to take us into the heavenly wedding feast. But until then, we as the church remain faithful to our wedding vows. But we can't do that, however, by our own strength. Christ sends us his Holy Spirit so that we can engage in creedal faith together. We are to be united as the church through word and through sacrament. If the Christian religion were a man-made thing, it would have faded years ago. But God keeps sending his Holy Spirit to revive the church, to strengthen marriages with children, and to have hands to tend the needy, the lonely, and the oppressed. He calls men into the ministry so that others in the streets can hear the gospel that they are no longer needing to live under the anger of the bridegroom, but live in his good graces of mercy. In our liturgical practices, you can see places where we preach that we wear permanent righteousness of Christ. For example, many baptisms include the participant wearing a white Robe, or receiving a white garment to show that they have been clothed in the garments of Christ the Crucified. Many catechumens on Confirmation Day wear white robes to show that they are still living in their baptismal garment, and they are about to confess before all the congregation that they are in unity with the Church. A pastor wears a white robe, showing that his words are not from his own authority, but from the authority received from the bridegroom himself. And it is only in that word that the church can find unity and salvation. At a funeral, the body is covered with a white cloth, a pall, that shows that this person, now deceased, is a baptized member of the church awaiting the resurrection. And some of you may have thought, Vicar, you forgot one. What about the bride who wears a white wedding dress on her wedding day? Many traditions revolve around this example, but for the sake of today, it is important to remember one thing. The bride does not dress herself in her own white dress. It is Christ who suffered and died for his wife who gives her own, his unstained, perfect life he possesses and clothes her in it. We are the recipients of God's great mercy. We are the bride that needs forgiveness every day. That is, every day until we see him face to face at the wedding feast that has no end. Amen. Now may the peace of God fill your hearts with all joy and believing until we are together with the Bridegroom in heaven forever. Amen.
1: We
0: rise to confess our faith in the word of the night soon. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord. Crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge For Patricia Moore, a friend of Louis Meyer, suffering from back problems. Hudson Lancaster, the four year old son of a friend of Jenna Johnson, suffering from severe burns. Hazel Foote, the great niece of Robin Jenna's Wayne, who was born with a lung infection is, and, and is in the ICU. Rhoda Taylor, a family friend of Jason George, an eight year old, suffering from life threatening issues but slowly improving with prayers. Teresa, a friend of Kate Williams, recovering from a stroke. Brian Bowman suffered from migraine headaches, and Morgan Miller Bowers Bones' granddaughter recovered from the concussion. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church purchased with Christ's precious blood, that God will observe her in the pure teaching of his word, in the right use of his sacraments, and in the unity of faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord. For the proclamation of the gospel that by God we gather many, however evil they may be, to repent and believe in Christ, and so take their seed at his eternal feast. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have yes. mercy. For the homes in which our people dwell, for husbands and wives, that they may fulfill their vocations to one another, for children and for all who teach and learn the faith. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, yes. For the peace that passes understanding and constant readiness to the coming of Christ that under the food and of this world we may live in the teal godliness for his sake. Let us pray to the Lord. The Lord mercy. For Danielle, Kelly, Paul, Michelle, Rob, Frank, Mike, Sharon, Serena, his family, Patricia, Hudson, Hazel, Rowan, Teresa, Brian, Morgan, and all who weep here, that the Lord of hosts, who at last will wipe away all tears, and comfort them as they await full restoration in heavenly pain. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all who commune this day that in the midst of a world that refuses Christ's gracious invitation, the church may remain unstained by the world and not fail to partake of his holy supper world clothed in his baptismal grace, let us pray to the Lord. Heavenly King, give us such joy in pursuing what is true, just, pure, and worthy of praise, that spurring the temptation of this world, we would suffer no anxiety. Let our trust be placed fully in Christ and let our hope rest in the life of the world to come. Through the Savior Jesus Christ, your Son our Lord, who lives and reigns with the Holy Spirit, one God. Now and forever.
1: Our Lord Jesus Christ, of the
0: night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of The New Testament in my blood to shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This new has often been done in remembrance
1: of me.